What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 276 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that. Subscribe, but it share this episode with a friend, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me at one two combo on Instagram. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Today's show: former Boston Celtic and basketball Hall of Famer Dino Raja joins in a fantastic conversation with Dino. You can find Dino on Instagram at Dino Raja underscore official. That's D I N O R A D. J-A underscore O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Time European Cup champion, former Boston Celtic and Hall of Famer, Dino Raja. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How are you feeling today? Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate you. And uh, congrats on the Hall of Fame. Thank you. You know, in your Hall of Fame speech, you talked about your coaches. You praised your coaches. As a youth player, what was the emphasis on your development and the things that you held on to through your whole career? It's just, it was a lot of repetitions, you know, a lot of basics. When you start, a lot of hours spent on the court. And uh, that's uh, basically the top secret of everything, that you did uh, more repetitions than um, than other people. That's, that's why I, I guess all my generation succeed. What do you feel like it was about, you know, the area of the world that you came from, your country that developed so many great players, especially during that time? You know, you had different uh, different basketball schools. And I think uh, basketball school of uh, ex-Yugoslavia was one of the greatest because um, our coaches were uh, looking forward and uh, the things that you are seeing today as normal. Back then, it was not normal. For example... Um, Big guys back then, they were big and heavy and uh, they patrolled the paint. Uh, we start running. Like uh, first advice that I get from my, from my coach uh, when, when I came in the senior team was uh, like uh, it was uh, me and Divac back then, you know, two big guys. In, uh, in uh, like uh, coming out, and uh, my coach told me if you want to be a better player than Divac, you have to run more than him. And uh, you know, I didn't understand that back then, but you know, it stick in my head. And uh, today, you know, after a long time, I see uh, that they were really, you know, uh, thinking way, way, way ahead. So, um, me and him, we were like first big guys who could run as a as a guards and uh, shoot from outside and uh, that's how uh, basketball is developed today today the big guy if you cannot run and shoot you can't play yeah yeah and we kind of totally went away from the post right it's, it's completely 
<laughs> completely. I, I, I don't like that. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, basketball has been developed in a certain way that uh, shooting is more, you know, um, of, of a thing right now. So uh, I prefer basketball where you put the, the ball behind the first line of defense. And then if you have a capable guy who can, who can pass the ball, that he can really burn the defense very easily. Yeah, you played with some really great national teams, all-time national teams. When did you realize that your national team was special? How, how young was it about? How young were you? You know, uh, first time that I really started thinking seriously of basketball was uh, 89, uh, after, after I won uh, with Hugo Plastica, the European title uh, club club title then then i really realized this this would be my uh, my really way of living i won a couple of medals before with the national team and national championship and stuff but uh, when you are 22 and you win european title in a team with no foreign players uh, uh, against teams that have two or three four americans it was a unbelievable achievement you I, I don't know how you, you can even compare that today. Uh, if Cleveland Browns from a couple of years ago win the NFL, something like that. Right, right, right. So, uh, you know, you play, you grew up playing with Tony. Obviously, you played with Drazen. Uh, you know, how young were you when you realized they were really special? Like, when was it in their development that you realized that these two guys were really special players? You know, I, I'm born and raised in the same team with Tony. And uh, he was just, uh, you know, great from the beginning. His understanding of basketball was unbelievable. And you could see that from a, a very, a very early age. You know, we, we, we played together in a, in a uh, like junior team. Even before that, uh, we won some things together. When we were kids, and it was so smooth, uh, like um, uh, cooperation between us, that um, it was very easy to play. Uh, Drajan, the same thing. I never played together in the same team with him, but uh, I played with him in a national team. And it was, you know, it's easy to play with the guys who know basketball and understand basketball. It's it's really easy. Just put us on a, on, a, on the floor and tell us what to do. <laughs> Basically, it's um, it's easy. Yep. It was easy. <laughs> man, it still makes you smile, man. In your Hall of Fame speech, you said that you could still play with Tony with your eyes closed. Definitely. Dino, we talk NBA draft here a lot, so I wanted to hear about your draft process. What was that like for you back then? You know, first, uh, when, uh, when uh, Celtics approached me, I thought, you know, somebody's joking with me because, uh, you know, Celtics and Lakers are two most famous, you know, uh, basketball teams ever, of all time, anywhere. So one of them approaching you and telling, uh, asking you, are you interested in coming playing for us? It was um, amazing for me. You know, uh, you cannot compare that uh, with, with the things today because today you have highlights of any game uh, two minutes after the game, you can see anything on on, on, on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever. 
media you have. And uh, back then it was only, you know, tapes and some satellite uh, um, receivers and not, not too many people had them. So it was very hard for us to see something, you know, live pictures. So it was amazing that uh, even they show interest in me. And um, uh, of course, I was interested in coming to the, to the Celtics and... Uh, I remember when they, I really want to go there. I didn't want to go anywhere else. So when, uh, when we talk, uh, I, I didn't really show interest in any other team who approached me in coming to NBA. And back then, you know, Europeans were really not, um, not uh, going there. And not, not many people believe in European players. So, it was easy um, to do that. It's impossible today, but it was really easy to, to do that. So people thought I'm not interested and uh, they didn't pay attention to me. So that's why they, they were able to pick me up in the second round. I remember them calling me, okay, now we got you. Sit on the plane tomorrow. You have a plane at, I don't know, sometime. Fly to Boston. And that was one of the most amazing, you know, uh, things that happened in my life, you know, coming to Boston. I'm going, you know, see the facility where they practice, see the, the, the uh, you know, Boston Garden. And everything. What adjustments did you have to make from the European game going to the NBA game? No, first, when I, when I came there, they wanted to make me stronger and uh, they wanted to put weight on myself. And uh, I did that uh, in the first couple of months. And then, then I realized that uh, I lost my main stuff, my quickness. And um, I also realized that talking to my strength and conditioning coach, that as much as you work out and as much weight you put in yourself, you can never match with Shaquille O'Neal uh, and, and guys like that. So you have to figure out the way how to, to uh, play against them using your own uh, strength. And that, that was my qu quickness and ability to shoot from outside. So uh, very, you know, soon I came back to doing stuff, uh, working on, on my explosiveness and on my quickness, my footwork, uh, which was uh, pretty much great. And um, that's, that's how I, you know, change stuff you know, from, from the beginning. Yeah. How was the adjustment off the court? Because, you know, when I went to go play overseas, I mean, the on the court stuff was obviously different, but off the court was a lot tougher for me. You know, a lot of people speaking different languages, the food is different. How was that for you when you got to Boston? Hey, you know, I was completely uh, focused on, on, on uh, succeeding. So I, you know, there's only one, judge in your life and that's the mirror and then uh, I, I stood before the mirror and I said okay you want to prove yourself in the biggest scale in the world so don't do anything stupid so you say after if I didn't go out that night maybe I could play better if you didn't drink that beer maybe you could have play better uh, if you didn't do this if you didn't do that maybe you could have done a little bit more so for like three years in uh, in, uh, in Rome and four years in, in, in Boston 
I never go out. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do anything that would, uh, you know, block me from doing 100%. So whatever I did in this, in, uh, in, in those teams, that was my 100%. And I, I, I really couldn't do anything more. I really uh, did a lot of uh, time, you know, preparing my body for the season. I uh, I avoid all these distractions. It was only, you know, practice, eating, sleeping, playing, and the same circle around. So uh, I cannot tell you today that I'm sorry for anything I did. You know, my, my career came to the end in, in the Celtics, uh, mostly uh, because of, uh, you know, my body was... Uh, sending me signals it's time to cool off a little bit and um, the the change of you know coaching and uh, management of the team helped that a lot but uh, basically whatever I did in uh, in, in my uh, my NBA career was that was it I, I couldn't do better uh, what were your off seasons like in the NBA? How did you prepare for NBA seasons in your off season? Did you go I take maybe I take ten days off, and then I start working from the from the beginning. I go to the in the mountains with my strength and conditioning coach alone. I work most of these years. I work uh, even without basketball, just running, lifting, running, lifting, running, lifting. And then last week you take the ball shoes after three throws and you're ready. <laughs> free throws always the best oh what's your favorite nba moment man for you uh definitely definitely you know i was really lucky and blessed or whatever you want to say to play against one generation i think is the best ever uh, that happened in nba against michael jordan against uh, you know uh, olajuwon against shaquille o'neal carmelo stockton and bark Ewing, all these guys, uh, unbelievable, real experience, you know, every day playing against one of them. It was just amazing. What was the Celtics practice like? It was, you know, in the beginning, uh, it was, you know, three-hour practices. And then, you know, as, uh, as, as you go on and on, uh, first, first week was like twice a day. And then everybody got like, heavy blisters in their feet and then we start with the preseason games and then the practices are shortened to like two and a half hours and then the season goes on it's like two hours uh, hour hour 45 hour hour and a half hour 15 at the end then when you go to the to the playoffs which we did, did only one year they're like four hour practices just you know walking through yeah but it was interesting you know uh, really interesting Every you know, once a day uh, mornings, I used to practice uh, you know tw twice a day in Europe, and uh, even here one practice evening practice. Here practice only morning and have all day for yourself. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, but uh, but you know I was really you know just focused on the on the season, how to do uh, whatever I can do, and uh, didn't think about anything else pretty much. How were the practices different in Europe compared to the NBA? You know, in in NBA there are so many games, like much more games than than we used to have in Europe. Right. So uh, basically, in Europe you have 
most of the weeks you have two two games a week, and sometimes you have one. NBA is two to five. Sometimes you play on you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, and you don't know where are you. you sometimes when you land, you don't know which city you landed at. Uh, you just go sleep in the afternoon. You wake up at uh, five p.m. You know, in the winter time when dark is already. So you don't know, do you have to go to piss and come back to bed or you have to go uh, to play a game because, you know, you are just in airplane like a luggage for like six months. So uh, basically it's very, it's, it's very hard, the rhythm. You really have to, you know, prepare yourself and keep yourself, you know, focused and then your body ready and, and uh, because, you know, with this kind of rhythm and this kind of minutes, it's not only, uh, you know, 82 games, but this game is like 20% longer than the game in Europe. So it's not 82, it's like, you know, 100 games. Uh, and um, you have to be mentally, physically, pretty much 100% all, all the time if you want to avoid, you know, injuries and, uh, and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Luca talked about how it was easy for easier for him to, you know, score at the NBA. I don't, I don't have the quote verbatim, but easier to get off in the NBA than it, it was for him in Europe. I mean, a lot of that has to do with spacing, but the spacing wasn't the same as it was now as it was when you were playing, right? It was a lot different. No, in my time, you had certain, you know, bad boys. Right. Certain in New York, the you know uh, Oakley and Mason that kill you when you when you <laughs> cross the paint line. And uh, today, right. you know, game is different. You know, they protect uh, uh, offense more than they used to do. Just watch all Michael Jordan highlights and what <laughs> abuse he endured during his uh, early early days and uh, today you can dribble and dribble and dribble and dribble and you know uh, nobody's coming in even to help you and uh, it's a completely different game it's much easier than now to score and put up some numbers uh, than than it was back then but you know people like it so yeah i mean your game would have fit great now right you get up and down the court quick uh, Definitely, I would love to play today again. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I love, I love, I really love, love running. Yeah, for sure. So, how much of the style of play when you were young, you know, growing up with that national teams, that period of European basketball has influence on today's game? Do you see that? I definitely think that uh, uh, we, we as a, as a basketball school, and we as a generation did a lot of uh, uh, these changes. And uh, I think that the coaches, uh, you know, realized that's, that's the new, new style. And a lot of that is implemented today. And, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of that and um, happy I was, I was uh, part of that, uh, that, uh, like, move that that happened because you know running uh, I, I think it's really nice basket you know when you run run with easy baskets and um, I, I think it's fun, more fun for the for fans for everybody 
What was it like for you when you found out you made the Basketball Hall of Fame, Dino? It was unbelievable, really emotional. And, you know, I, I really never gave any thought to that, really, to be honest. And when I got a phone call, I didn't even know that I was nominated. I didn't have any idea. So when they called me, I thought it was a prank by somebody. But, you know, uh, Kim Bohuni, who called me, I know her for many, many years. And, you know, I know she's a very serious person. So I, uh, I knew it's not a joke, but, you know, I was basically crying for like 10 days wow it was uh, it was unbelievable experience dino thank you so much for taking the time you're always welcome back on the show congrats again on being a basketball hall of famer as i said you're always welcome back and talk soon thank you very much thank you there it is. Big thanks to Dino Raja for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for episode 277. Combo out.